Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. We had a bit of a surprise during our two-week hiatus, or, you know, our two-week break time, whatever you want to call it these days, since we're doing it every time now. What was the surprise? The Three Hopes trailer with the demo drop. Was we that no in between? Did we yeah, not talk about was, that? I felt like we talked about that. Pretty sure it was after we recorded. Huh. We well, there you go. Final trailer or that last trailer, which introduced the Ashen Moles. And I strong. I mean, you might have mentioned it when you did the mini for Maybe. the uh, heroes that um, dropped in between. But last time we both recorded together, we did not have the uh, Ashen Wolves trailer, which was also the one that dropped the demo. Well, I'm glad you pushed for us to talk about the demo today because I, my brain thought we had already talked about it and or at least even referenced it. But now that I think about it, you're right. It was definitely like right after we recorded. You, you might have mentioned it in the mini when you went over the uh, Ascended Florina banner, but... I was not there because I was off helping my mom with her eye surgery. Yeah. Well, we are back this week to talk about it. I promise we'll get some time in with it uh, once we hit the Outrealm gate. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to go through the banners and we have some Fire Emblem Heroes uh, summer content to talk about. That's right. Summer is uh, when you hear this, it'll be officially here. I'll say that. Um, we have the three hopes release events still going on. There's probably, I think four or five active banners as of this recording, uh, the weekly revival 51 and 27 banners running heroes with rally skills going until the 22nd tempest trials going until the 26th book six midpoint Letizia and more going until the 29th summer passing special heroes revival going until the 29th as well. And Summer Vacation, the special heroes we're going to talk about this week, going until the 8th of August. So uh, those usually run long to uh, to sort of match all the summer banners that are going to be coming out this, well, summer. Uh, But Eddie, I'm curious how your summoning has gone over the last couple weeks. Uh, Yep, Um, I'm going to start uh, going and start with the summer banner. Uh, I forgot to write all the details down, but I did start off with a four-star Four star clawed uh, from there, as well as um, on the first ring, kept summoning uh, blue to see how many claws I could get throughout the banner. Uh, I ended up sparking for a Micaiah and ended up getting both the others, uh, Edelgard and Dimitri, as well, as well as three additional clouds, all four star, uh, and uh, setting up and doing the Tempest Trials for doing the Tempest Trial. I did merge all of it, so I don't know the exact drops. Um, but I do recall definitely getting a Fallen Burkut boosted unit. Um, also trying to look up to verify exactly what I got from the other banner, the uh, Florina one, since I wasn't around to talk about that last week. Uh, but I did get the uh, Ascended Florina. Um, Carla wasn't new. Uh, of course I got Guy because he was given more or less automatically. And I did get Letizia and... One of the nights, I can't remember which one. Right. Uh, Kent ah, there or Sane. I got the red one. Kent. Yeah. I have not gotten, did not get Sane. Ah. 
Well, uh, for me, I, I I mentioned this on the mini, but I was able to summon Ascended Florina from the free summon tickets. Um, it was something that I was not, I wasn't, I wasn't going to summon on the banner because I knew we were heading into summer season. There's going to be a bunch of banners coming up over the next couple months. So I wanted to save my orbs, uh, but I did get an Ascended Florina. I'm sure Letizia will be on this month's legendary or mythic banner. Right. As they usually are. So. Yeah. If you really wanted to go after her, you'd have that chance. Yeah. No, oh, and that's I haven't summoned on a legendary banner in a while, so I feel like they're building up a lot of heroes that I haven't gotten yet. So uh, I'm probably good to summon on on that one this month or, or next. Uh, but for the summer banner, uh, I did get two four-star Claudes and an Edelgard slash Altina duo on the spark uh but then i i didn't i didn't actually get a five star um through summoning until i went back in after the spark to sort of finish off my five star appearance rate and got a dimitri so i think that's where i'm calling it there did you get absolutely no five stars in the lead up to the spark uh no pity breaks or anything i I didn't get pity breaks i think there's a four star upgrade in there somewhere but it was a it was a rando repeat for sure yeah no problem but that's yeah sometimes looks like that so i I mean with the spark system and i I am subscribed to fay pass obviously i'm like i'm cool that's fine perfect yep so but uh we do have a couple a handful of things coming in the next two weeks uh, we, of course, had this morning the Summer Passing Special Hero Revival banner drop. Tomorrow we'll have the Summer Returns Special Hero Revival. Uh, starting on the 22nd, we will have, and by the time, and that's of when we're recording it on the 20th, so it's so the 21st for the Summer Returns banner. 22nd, we'll have a new round of Hall of Forms, a new round of Summoner Duels S on the 23rd, along with a Moonbow Skills banner, a Grand Hero Battle Revival for for Fernand, um, on the 24th, we'll have a double special heroes banner dropping. On the 26th, a test of swords quests. On the 27th, a new round of heroes journey, uh, as well as a voting gauntlet login bonus starting, and that voting gauntlet will start on the 1st of July. We also have a another skills banner coming up during the time off is on the 29th of June. Uh, the 30th of June brings us the new Legendary Hero, as well as the summoning event. Uh, but, or, sorry, the Legendary Hero and the battles that always pop up with those banners. Uh, as mentioned, that's Voting Gauntlet on the 1st. On the 2nd, we have a Bound Hero Battle for Morgan and Morgan. So the law firm is joining in the Bounding Hero Battles, along with a summoning focus for it. And we round out the our... Uh, a couple weeks next on the 4th with a special heroes revival for summer's arrival, which will have the uh, special heroes boosts there, special heroes special weight for four stars. Nice. So Morgan and Morgan has always been my favorite joke to come from this podcast. And uh, oh. yeah, especially since it is an actual law firm down here in Florida. So, <laughs> right. Well, there you go. I wonder if their logo is also the two Morgans separated by an ampersand. I, I doubt it, but uh, that's a that's a throwback to our, our cover art for that episode way back uh, when when those characters were added to the games. Um, but let's talk about the new special heroes for the summer vacation banner. Surprising no one, Three Houses dominates the first summer banner of the season, 
headlining the Harmonized Heroes and the Lords of the Houses. Uh, backing up three houses, of course, are characters from Radiant Dawn. And we'll kick things off with the uh, the the I, I want to say I want to say the the leader of the the blue house, but that's not what they would say in game. Well, he is the leader of the blue lions in the yeah. game house, uh, but he is also Dimitri, the sky blue lion, is also the future leader of the kingdom of Fargus, uh, and he takes some much needed time relaxing at the beach as a green axe cavalry unit. He rose into battle wielding the unyielding ore, which is shaped like Erebar, his uh, hero relic from Three Houses, which enables Kanto remaining plus one, boosts his special trigger, and at the start of combat, if he has 25% or more health, he gets plus five to his combat stats. And also, if his foe has bonus active or he has more 10 or more speed than his foe, he attacks twice. He has a new menace skill in the C slot with a speed defense menace, which at the start of the turn... Uh, if he is within four spaces of a foe, he debuffs them for speed defense minus six on the nearest foes for uh, through their next actions and gives him a buff of speed defense plus six for one turn. He has no other new skills, but he does have his legendary skill, Atrocity, Glimmer, and Tier 4 Attack Speed Catch. I love that his weapon is, a, is an ore, and if you see his attack or his special attack art, you're actually going to see him using it as if he is paddling, uh, yep, which I think is a nice. That's touch. why I said he rose into battle because yeah, they he does a little rowing motion before swinging around and attacking. Rose is- into battle, and you know what? It's so funny if you 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 blink and you miss it. I thought you said rose, not rose. Mm-hmm. So you got to listen closely there for the for the puns. That's good stuff. Um, <laughs> I love his little visor too, and his cape looks so. Yes, you know, fancy and divine. Uh, I mean, it's all in all, just I, it's so funny. I, I, I could have sworn that the 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 lords of all the houses already got summer heroes, but I guess they've never. This is their first alt, right? Um, I'm not saying for certain they're the first alts, but they might be. I mean, they got fallen versions, so I. But those are considered new heroes, right? Yeah, these might be the first special heroes with the house leaders trying to think i know we have legendary versions we have the brave versions the normal versions the pre-war versions um and yeah these might be the first and the fallen versions like you said although i don't do do we have a fallen claude i don't think we got a fallen claude because he doesn't really fall no he stays pretty uh pretty clean on all the routes right well (laughs) clean clean's debatable but he stays clawed the whole time he doesn't (laughs) Lose his mind to madness or, you know, insane desire to conquer the world or whatever it is that Edelgard was doing in the Blue Lions route. Right. I'm pretty sure he dies in one of the routes. Spoiler alert. But, well, I mean, I, I think, think it everybody depends dies. on who you kill him with. But Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I think I recall, I think, um, recall like the, uh, if you defeat him with uh, Byleth or maybe Edelgard. When you go to attack him in that route, you can spare him. But hmm. okay, well, let's talk about the next hero, which is Micaiah Wavecrest Maiden. Micaiah is the leader of the Dawn Brigade, a band of rebels who fight for uh, Dayan. Is it Dayan? No, we've had this chat before. 
Yeah, it's a game I haven't really played much of, so Dane or Dane, Dane. I don't know, but I like Dane better. It's easier to say. So uh so let's so here we go. Fight for Dane and has mysterious powers like the ability to heal the wounded or see into the future. Micaiah is a colorless tome cavalry unit wielding Moonlight Drop, which is effective against armored and cavalry foes. Accelerates special trigger cooldown count minus one. If unit initiates combat or is within two spaces of an ally, grants attack slash resistance plus six to unit during combat. And the following effects will occur based on the value of unit's resistance minus foe's resistance. If greater than or equal to five and less than or equal to 14, unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. If greater than or equal to 15 and unit initiates combat, unit attacks twice. No new skills, but rounding out her kit is Maiden Solace as an assist, Moonbow as a special, attack slash resistance, catch four in the A slot, and pre-science? Pre- prescience? Prescience? Is how I pronounce it? Prescience in the B slot? Pre-science. <laughs> prescience. Well, you can solve pre-science if you want. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to, but I think you're right. It could be prescience. I think pre-science would be like technically two words. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, it's all good. Yeah, I think it has something to do with seeing the future, pre- you know, prescient or, you know. Yeah, it's it's not pre-science. I mean, as much as you want to make me feel better, that's fine. It's not pre-science. It's prescience. Uh, I mean, Micaiah has obviously had a bunch of... Uh, versions uh of this hero in the game and I'm pretty sure prescience is from her um legendary version okay because i believe she does have a i'm 90 percent certain she has a legendary version yeah no she does I miss she definitely does because i remember we were talking about the bird yoon um and it was the dead giveaway in the preview yeah and legendary micaiah is the only other unit with that skill so that is her legendary skill well there you go which is Kind of common that the legendary units get their legendary skills when they get uh, special versions and sometimes even alts. Uh, but, you know, this is the first time we've ever had a former legendary unit become a four-star unit, which is what happened with Claude, Tropical Trouble. Joining his fellow house leaders, Claude flies out to the beach as a blue flying dagger unit and the four-star unit on the banner. He wields and eats before throwing a pair of ice treats called Frozen Delight, which on top of the usual Dagger 7 debuff, uh, grants him Kanto remaining, uh, boosts his special trigger, and if he initiates combat or is within two spaces of an ally, grants him attack res plus six. Uh, and if he uh, also if he initiates combat, and the total bonuses on him and penalties on foe are greater than or equal to 12, he attacks twice. He does have no new skills as a four-star unit, but does come with Moonbow and Speed Defense Rain. And he actually does come with that legendary Fallen Star skill that he has, or his legendary skill Fallen Star. So that makes for quite a powerful skill there on a four-star unit. Yeah. Yeah, and I got to say, um, I think wh- whoever he bought that uh, that Popsicle from, that's literally just frozen water with um, with fruit in it. I feel like that's... I mean, that's what popsicles technically are. I call them ice treats because that is more or less what it is. It's like a snow cone, but it's shaped in a, you know... It just looks very clear to me. So it's almost like it's just frozen water. Yes, they they did something... It might be frozen water, but... There might be... You can flavor water and still keep it clear, so... That's true. That's true. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess, like, if... 
I mean, obviously, this isn't this. This probably isn't what people want us to talk about. Is I mean, to me, it looks like it has a bit of a blue color, white and blue coloring, as you would expect from a uh, you know frozen item. So maybe, yeah, maybe I'm. I, I just at first glance, it looked like it was just fruit frozen in water, and and that's just what he had. And which again would cool you off at the beach. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, from my view, it looks like it's uh, fruit design painted on the thing, not actual fruit in the ice pop. It's just an ice pop with a fruit design on it, in oh. my mind. I don't know so, if that makes it better or popsicle. not. I don't know. It depends on if it tastes like each of the fruits or has a consistent taste throughout. Right. But without actually getting a better look at it, which is you know kind of impossible seeing as it's in a game, it's hard to really say. Well, it's the uh, it's the real questions that uh, everyone's everyone's asking, right? Uh, we're here to. Uh, sure, I'm sure someone's asking it somewhere. Yeah, I am. I guess. Uh, I mean, I I'm really glad that Claude uh, got a got a summer version as well. I mean, I'm glad all the 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 house lords did because I feel like, um, let's get it out of the way. I know Intelligent Systems wants to do it. Uh, they easily could have said, "Hey, three houses all summer." They may still do that. Who knows? Um, but I really feel like this was their opportunity to kind of like let's get let's get all the house lords done, and then we can focus on other games uh, in the second batch. Well, it's not guaranteed. They've technically set up a pattern the past few years, so next month we should expect Reagan, uh, maybe Odor, maybe Fafnir getting summer alts. Right. You know, because That's true. usually you got one OC banner and one uh, three houses banner with sprinkled in other units and this one we have radiant dawn joining the three houses uh so who knows who's going to join the oc units next next time mm-hmm. or next month yeah but uh joining claude on the banner we have edelgard and altina sun empresses here's emperor edelgard of the adrestrian empire famous throughout fodlin and altina one of the three heroes who saved Tellius long ago They've crossed between worlds to fight side by side. Edelgard and Altina wield Regal Sunshade, which accelerates special trigger, cooldown count minus one. Start of turn, if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, grants attack plus six to unit and inflicts attack minus six on foe during combat. Reduces damage from foe's first attack during combat by 40%, and also if there are X or more foes within three columns, or three rows, centered on unit, Unit attacks twice. X is equal to one when there are less than or equal to two foes on the enemy team. X is equal to two when there are three to five foes. And X is equal to three when there are greater than or equal to six foes. They have a new skill in the C slot called Assault Troop 3, where at start of turn, if unit's HP is equal to 100% or any foes within three columns or three rows centered on unit, grants charge to unit for one turn uh charges unit can move up to three spaces in any cardinal direction cannot move through foes terrain that blocks movement or effects of skills like obstruct granted movement treated as warp movement uh rounding out their kit is glimmer is a special attack slash defense ideal four in the a slot and raging storm in the b slot their harmonized skill grants attack plus six resonance shields and bonus doubler to unit and allies from the same titles as unit for one turn so that's uh, Three Houses and the Radiant series. Yep. Radiant Dawn. Um, I think Path of Radiance is 
considered separate. But oh, is these it? are considered to be Radiant Dawn. I, I think so. I could be wrong, but I think um, it's like Ike's head for Path of Radiance. Radiant Dawn gets uh, Micaiah's head. And depending on, um, you know, the age of the units, they gen- they assign them to one or the other. So you might have an Ike out that doesn't get this bonus if when you activate it, if you're not paying attention. But yeah, uh, quite a powerful thing, that charge skill that they get in their new C-slot, which I believe is inheritable. Inheritable, so that's a pretty good. Big thing is pretty powerful, and I love I love that Altina has um, Ragnell and Alondite uh, inflatables as her weapons. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say her uh, her two swords are definitely inflatables, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, oh yeah, I gotta keep the summer theme. So yeah, hey man, I think that's I think if. I I know I believe there have been inflatables before, but it is so cool to see them uh, uh, give Altina her two swords as as inflatables. That is a nice touch. Yep. And we have one more unit coming with this grouping, and that is the Alincia, the Seaside Queen. Alincia uh, from Radiant Dawn joins the summer fun as uh, from the Tempest Trial as a blue flying bow unit. She wields the White Cap Bow Plus, which is effective against flying units. And at the start of combat, if she has 25% or more health, she gets attack speed plus 5 during combat. If she initiates combat and has 10 speed or more than her foe, she attacks twice. As a Tempest Trial unit, she does not have any new skills, but she does come with drawback, attack speed bond, and attack speed link. So Yeah. I don't know much about this uh, hero, but I gotta say that uh, the bow she's using is, is very... Yeah. It's like designed to look like waves, and I think it's really cool. Oh, yeah, it's a very cool looking bow. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she's available as the Tempest Trials unit, and uh, you can still unlock her by playing through and uh, and hitting those score marks. So definitely get in there before Tempest Trials ends in the next week. But with that, we'll move into the Outrealm Gate, and you might be thinking, "Oh, we're moving pretty quick." It's like, well. As Eddie reminded me, uh, we haven't talked about the Three Hopes demo, and both Eddie and I have played it. Uh, We're going to do spoilers up until the house choice, which is essentially, I'd say, 75% of the demo, probably. Yeah, um, I mean, well, no, I'd say it's more like um, maybe 50%, maybe a little less, because once you uh, get to Chapter 4, which is the final section of the demo, you have a handful of extra battles because of the way they finally bring you into the way the rest of the game is going to work. That's a good point. You you have the prologue and then you have the, what is essentially the first chapter of the individual routes in this demo. Uh, And you, this is about halfway, maybe a little, the, the house choice is about halfway, maybe a little more, a little less than halfway through the prologue. You have like one or two missions after this, uh, and you have one or two before it. So, and the yeah. prologue, and then you have chapter four. So, which you can't actually finish chapter four in the demo. We did find out. Yeah. Because when you go to do the final battle of the chapter, it says you've completed the demo. Thanks for playing. Which I guess is a better way than letting you beat that map and then saying, "Yeah, you can't do anything else. Go away." It lets you run around if you want to mess around and play with the. Uh, little side battles you can do in that chapter so it's uh i mean 
Before we talk spoilers, I know Eddie has some thoughts on the way Three Hopes sets up an alternate take on a, I don't even know if you want to call it alternate take. It's almost like it's just it's definitely an alternate take. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to think like, it, it's definitely an alternate take and, but they still keep with the three routes, you know, you've got yes. black Eagles, uh, blue lines and, and the, yeah, so I commented years? in discord. So it's it, you know, at first it was looking like there might be a chance that my theory, crazy theories were correct, that this was a year before the rest of the game or the rest of the games. But no, no, that's wrong. It is, in fact, in time. Well, like the first battle, opening battles before, the rest is in time with three ho- three hopes houses. Sorry, this is three hopes. That was three houses, the old one. It runs in time parallel and is alternate dimensions four, five, and six, or five, six, and seven of Fodlin. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, before we get to spoilers, I did want to mention. Uh, the structure of sort of the once you get through so like the f- start of the game is very much battle to battle teaching you the tutorials it, it really gets yeah. it's all prologue until you get to like the chapter four um yep. and then you get to the first map where you are sort of ex- unlocking all the areas in your sort of uh i don't know i think it's like a training camp or it's your your base base of operations um once you unlock all the stuff there, you're kind of like going into the map and the chapter is you progressing through these smaller battles to get to the final battle, which is going to be more focused on story. Whereas the other ones are just like, Hey, this area needs to be cleared. That area there's, there's smaller. I'd say they were like 10 minutes and under those, those three. Um, yeah. They're like the uh, side battles in age of calamity, the little, shrines or whatever shrine battles or the little side battles in the original you know like uh the story maps yeah shorter not as in-depth smaller task battles and i noticed something they really intend you to utilize the order skills um well before we go any further if you want absolutely no spoilers from Three Hopes, um, I'm sure Ryan will throw in a notation for when we start awakening in the notes yep. for you. Uh, but you might want to skip to that now. Uh, but yeah, essentially the prologue covers up to the time skip, and the rest of the game is after the time skip, which, um, as I was correct about the it being a smaller time skip, this is only a two-year time jump instead of the five years that Three Houses was. But yeah, the uh, prologue leads up to that time skip, and once you're past that time skip, you get your base that you'll be playing from throughout the rest of the game and the design of the map, which you work your way through these smaller battles up to a main final battle. Um, It seems like once you get a region bordering the final battle, you can start that final battle at any time. You don't have to completely conquer the rest of the map if you don't want to, if you want to keep progressing. But, I mean, with all this extra time on my uh, Blue Lions playthrough or Azure Gleam playthrough, I ground those things up and found that if you really want to reach some of those um, goal times, you have to give commands to your units that you aren't controlling. Uh, it, it is important to note, though, that if you do progress into the... Although we weren't able to lock us out of those other battles... If you progress to the final battle, it does give you a warning of like, hey, 
if you don't clear out these other areas, you will lose out on the resources and bonuses and stuff. So, And the way I understood that is you'll still be able to go back and do these battles, but there are certain points on these maps that give you bonus resources. And some of them have tasks like S-rank the battle or complete all the side quests in the battle. Stuff like that. And those are what you need to complete before moving on to the final battle of a chapter. Oh, okay. I mean, I could be wrong. We couldn't progress past the final battle of this chapter, so these entire battles may vanish, but the way it felt to me is that these battles will still be here, but you won't be able to get these specific bonuses. That'll help you upgrade things. Oh, okay. The quote-unquote survey spots, as they called them. We aren't talking spoilers, but we aren't talking story stuff in this, so this isn't quite spoilers, but if you want to go blind... You should be long gone by now. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to warn them. They know. Uh, here's the thing. I Before we, we get to your theories and stuff, or at least your your rundown of, of what was presented in the demo story-wise, uh, I also wanted to note that as someone who has been playing, I just booted up uh, Age of Calamity today um, just randomly because I'd, I'd done everything I wanted to do in the Three Hopes demo, and I was like, I kind of want to play some Warriors-style games. And I never did finish Age of Calamity, and I jumped back in, and it's like... That world map, as much as they wanted to sort of show you everything all at once, not an effective way of displaying icons on a map. Um, And I really do appreciate the more like just straight up display of like, here's your chapter. There's four little and, you know, it could get confusing as as we move on. But the chapters are clearly set out in three Mm -hmm. hopes, at least in this demo. And it's like, okay, there are three sort of small areas you can work your way towards the final chapter you can kind of go any path you want if you just want to take critical path you can do that if you want to veer off and collect all the resources you can do that too but it's clearly shown to you as opposed to an age of calamity which was like i'm in chapter seven and there's like a hundred icons on the map and it's annoying yeah after a while in age of calamity when looking for things i hadn't actually already done yet i would just pull up the list of things it's like Okay, so my characters are this level. What's the next lowest, uh, you know, shrine that I haven't done? Pull up the thing, 10 to 20, that's all done. 20 to 30, that's all done. Yada, yada, until I found one that wasn't done, and then I would go do that one. I did not try to scroll around and look for the items. I would also use the Sheikah Slate's uh, sensor thing when I was looking for specific things. But... Without something to direct you where you're trying to go, that that one got to be a big mess by the end. Yeah. Especially once you added in the expansion pass stuff. Oh, yeah, I don't even have that. Um, But anyways, uh, so story-wise, how did you feel about the way the demo set up uh, what we're going to be experiencing at the end of the week? Um, I enjoyed the story. It's very interesting the way they've uh, broken these stories up, the changes they've made. It's quite intriguing. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out and what are the secrets of this Arval character. And, you know, I mean, having played enough three houses and just looking, you can clearly see something to do with their origin, although the exact details are hard to tell. Arval's origin, exact details are hard to tell, and Arval doesn't know them, know the details either, has uh, amnesia similar to how Sothis did. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, where they go with that story and the different routes and stories. So mm-hmm. right, that's that's really all I can say without going into actual story spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, 
we're are we not talking spoilers? I thought we wanted well, to. Well, that was for the overall story of what we faced in the demo. I figured we'd cover that and then we'd dip into the actual story for the first two battles. So what, what were your overall? Uh, I played through Azure Gleam or Blue Lions and um, Black Eagles. Both were unique, different stories, so it was nice to see that. I have different targets in the end of your chapter four, and you have different uh, chapter or yeah, chapter three end of prologue maps. So it's nice to see that uh, you get a tease of what the others are dealing with in their other routes in the discussion as you move into chapter four. But I, I like the story that they're giving us so far. I have not played through the uh, uh, Golden Deer route yet. I have it set up to a certain point. I've chosen. I've have a playthrough where I've chosen Golden Deer. Have not finished it yet because I got distracted trying to finish up the stuff for Awakening because I realized I was getting tight on time for that. Yeah, um, I I played through as uh, Black Eagles. I think that's going to be my first playthrough. Um, oh, yeah, um, Azure Gleam Blue Lines is definitely going to be my first playthrough once the full game comes out. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, I did jump back in to try to like. Oh, I forgot to set up a um, like a separate save to to quickly jump into the 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 house choice but honestly it took me 10 minutes to get back to that moment uh with skipping cutscenes and dialogue and stuff so it's it's not a big commitment yeah when i did my black eagles i thought about setting up a separate save to do a separate um house choice then i realized well no i want to try different mixes of byleth and shez so like my uh Blue Lions, Azure Gleam, one is a uh, male Shez, female Byleth, I believe. Um, the uh, Black Eagles is a female Shez, male Byleth. And the I think I went female-female for the Golden Deer. It's such a short little run through that it was like, that's not that big of an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very short. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. The game comes out this Friday. Uh, I highly recommend you check out the demo. It it presents a really good taste of what this game is going to be like. And um, it is so far the best implementation of the order system where you can, you know, send your heroes out to do tasks as you're controlling one. And, and your heroes are actual com- actually competent. So Yes, they would actually complete they, things, I saw. <laughs> they would actually complete things and they would use... Uh, vulnerabilities as needed. Yeah, you know, I would I would be playing through. I'd have it say, "Oh, this character is in trouble," and then I'd look at the health because you know it's a switch, it's limited power, and their health is almost full. And then it would a few seconds later tell me, "Use the vulner." They use the vulnerary. Okay, so you know he gave me the warning after they already used the vulnerary, so they weren't actually in trouble yet. But hey, and I no. did encounter some issues where I pummeled around and juggled by enemies. Right. There, there were a couple points where there were quite a few enemies all attacking me, and you can knock some of them away, but some of them are a little tougher. And I like the impl- implementation of the class system. It definitely works well, like I thought it would in the Fire Emblem style, because it allows you to have characters who fight similar, and even even when they're fighting the same class, they are subtly different, but very quite similar yeah so i think they did a really good job and uh there's you know if you're worried that they're basically setting up like 
three houses, but in the Warriors uh, style of gameplay. Like, no, this really feels like a different story being told, you know, from all perspectives and at least from the Black Eagles. Like, I feel like the Black Eagles in three houses was one of those routes that everyone was like, oh, man, like this is I remember when I Googled it uh, to decide which one I would play first. And a lot of people suggested um, Black Eagles with three houses. And I feel like the 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 events that take place in the demo, at least with the Black Eagles, really push like I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel as though the things that um, that that were like, I don't feel like this is a different Edelgard and a different Hubert. I I feel like they're the same characters, but things happen that change their path, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that is seen before you even get to the actual um, actual path split. Um, the path is changed uh, without Byleth showing up. And it feels like they've taken their time since Three Houses to look at the issues and complaints that they received and address some of them. Like, what I played through Edelgard, she, it seems to do better explaining her logic and reasoning even though it is still flawed and broken in my mind. Uh, Dimitri seems to handle him better, you know, and while I play through of Azure Gleam. So it feels like they took complaints of what was not, you know, explained or told in in Three Houses and done a bit better about explaining and telling it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, all in all, it's just really nice to be back experiencing these characters and new stories with these characters, but it's uh, you're getting a lot more expansion into uh, these characters' lives. You're getting to see characters that were sort of not present but mentioned in three houses. So yeah, there are new new playable characters in each route, um, and I did want to go through the first two chapters, first two battles, in a bit more detail. Uh, not a ton of detail, but. Um, in you know you open like you did in three houses where uh although subtly different it's a fellow mercenary waking you up who goes through your name and your gender and Byleth's name and gender because you can rename both of them you do a battle with this mercenary group who is facing off against Geralt's mercenaries kind of like i suspected the ashen demon thing would play out and Byleth slaughters you guys pretty handily but as Shez is about to die, Arvel stops it, and we see that scene that they showed in the new trailer, where suddenly a sword appears from like a weird ring around Ar- uh, Shez's hand, and they get the weird extra marks, and you get your flugel class, your unique class, and get to fight and still get beat senseless by Byleth in it a bit. But, you know, then... Jumps ahead a bunch of time where Shez is napping and Arvel wakes him up, or her up, wakes them up. And the three house leaders bump into Shez, uh, and Shez helps them fight off the bandits, where you do actually kill Casas, which is where it confirms that this is definitely a different time frame from the original, because Casas was the leader of the bandits. So clearly this is the same time frame. And the house leaders were looking for Remire Village, but stumbled across you instead, uh, which is where Remire is where Byleth met the house leaders in three houses. You are then more or less 
forced to go to the church and forced to join the academy as a student, which is where you then get to choose your house. But there's a lot of uh, when you get to, when there's a lot of choices that are taken out of your hands um, as you interact oh, yeah. with the uh, the uh, the students uh, and 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 the church and and, and Arvo calls out calls it out too, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, they're not really giving us a choice. So yeah, and it is interesting that they don't. Um, so in the first game, in, sorry, in three houses, they say, you know, oh, we'll make you a teacher. But in this, they're like, oh, we'll make you a student. And I'm like, I didn't feel as though Byleth was that much older than. It's hard to tell, obviously, but yeah, I don't know if we have a canon age in Shez. They might be the same age, might be a year or two younger, uh, and closer to the age of the actual students. Um, but to me, it felt more of a situation of Rhea already suspected who Byleth was. True. Uh, she didn't have proof, but the fact that Byleth was with Geralt, who she knew and trusted and had this connection, I think she suspected that Byleth was the child that she had emplaced the... Uh, and this is spoilers for three houses, but <laughs> this is... Hopefully you didn't come back early. Uh, and put the crest stone of Sothis into the body into the body of to save from death when they were born, but also kind of turn Byleth into the character that you are playing in three houses. So, you know, I think but Rhea suspected it and suspected that, you know, one, you didn't show an amazing power like the Flugel class in uh three houses. You were just a skilled mercenary and two, you know, she suspected who you were. She just had no proof and wanted in you know figured best way to bring it out and prove it was to be make you a teacher here she has no clue where your power comes from. It's a mysterious power, and she wants to keep an eye on you like Arvel even suggests oh they they got you trapped here good. they want to watch you well i'm uh I'm looking forward to to playing the game i i'm I'm really excited to, um to continue and that's the thing with the with the demo your your save can continue onwards, so all the time invested into the demo. Uh, you don't have to redo any of that. You can bring it right into the main game. Uh, but Eddie, before we move on, is there anything else demo-wise that you want to chat about before we get into the uh, game club? Not that I know of. I'm curious to see what the bonuses will be in the main game for having played Three Houses and Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, but those were not unlocked in the demo. And the traditional uh, tap and amoeba thing returns. So there you go. We'll have that to look forward to. Yeah, we will uh, chat more Three Houses, uh, or sorry, Three Hopes uh, next episode. And I mean, if you're wondering, uh, hey, wasn't there like some weird Fire Emblem leaks? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're not going to go and we're not going to talk about it. I mean, I don't know if Eddie even there, forgot there are or just rumors floating around, but there's nothing confirmed. So, <laughs> yeah, if you want to discuss rumors, we can discuss no, rumors no. for a few minutes. I, I don't want to discuss it. I just wanted to acknowledge that the news is out there, and Eddie and I, uh, we're going to wait until something official drops. But don't worry. When or if, or if or when, official stuff drops, we will certainly cover it here. For, for me, covering rumors like this is risking getting your hopes up for something that proves wrong. You know, may, maybe these rumors are correct. Maybe they are doing a Fire Emblem Heroes in a, full, in a more normal Fire Emblem game. But maybe, you know, you get all excited about them doing Fire Emblem Heroes in a regular Fire Emblem game, and then it turns out, nope, that's not at all. It's just a traditional Fire Emblem game. 
and now you're all pissed and upset about this new game, even though they never said it was going to be that. Someone, some random leaker said it was. Yeah. And you got your hopes up, so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some of the bigger websites are covering it. I mean, you can find uh, stories on Eurogamer and, and, and whatnot. That's where I, I saw it, but... You know, it's it. We'll we'll talk about it when when it's official. When it gets announced, we'll discuss it. I don't think we're going to get anything before Three Hopes comes out. Uh, but current speculation is that there might be a uh, standard direct, not the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles unique specific thing, but a standard direct on the 29th. So we may or may not see that. We'll and if there's Fire Emblem in there, we'll discuss it. Of course, of course, we will. Eddie, let's get to Game Club. We've got five chapters of Awakening to discuss, and we kick things off with uh, the first story chapter of Chapter 22. Yep, called An Ill Presage, or Presage, probably Presage. Uh, We chase after Valadar and catch up, uh, leading to a location called the Demon's Table. We're outside of it and fight the largest army yet. Oh, wait, wait, sorry. It's only 13 guys, so... Wait, you mean we're actually going into a Fire Emblem map with an even number of enemies to our team? That's that's different. Uh, though these these thirteen foes, or at least twelve of them, are quite tough. Uh, though this is a pretty simple map, we do get some story details as Validar tells Aversa to make sure Robin survives. Uh, so get a little bit of story there, but not not much to this map. You got thirteen champions and a handful of uh, you know grabbable weapons. Mm-hmm. Yep, getting all the legendary weapons prepped for the final three chapters of uh, yeah. Fire Emblem Awakening. Um, I'll say this, not a map to bring lower level characters on that you might or might not be uh, leveling support with. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there are quite a few of these maps that are not ones you want to bring characters you're leveling on. That, that's what reeking boxes are for. You can choose the difficulty yep. that you work on their support on. I I have certainly started to do that, and uh, I think I'm I've got two more uh, paralogs to unlock, um, which you know not for this week, but for for uh, for next episode. Started grinding out characters to what I want their final, uh, you know, their classes to be at the end of the thing, and I've I've got enough power that the map I use reeking boxes on, I um just send the two characters that are being worked on in. And let them kill everyone. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, well, you know, this chapter moves nicely into chapter 23, which is Invisible Ties. After defeating Aversa, it's time to stop Validar and his plan to resurrect Grima. Starting the map, Robin and Krom are separated from the rest of the crew as they face off against Validar alone. But all is not over when you first defeat Validar. is a few tricks up his sleeve as he forces Robin to attack Krom, like in their vision from the start of the game. But we also have a few tricks up our sleeves as well as Basilio lives. So Robin weakened uh, their magic before attacking Krom, and Krom isn't dead, but in in here I've written Chrome isn't dead. Uh, At the shock of this revelation, uh, Validar warps to join the rest of the enemies south of the map while Basilio is joined by Flavia, so they join your crew. You're able to control them now. Defeating everyone on the map leads to some further revelations as we find out that Shadow Robin is actually future Robin that traveled back in time alongside Lucina. 
All that being said, Grima has been summoned, and as Lucina and Krom stare up into the sky, they wonder how they'll get out of this one. Uh, well, they'll use the Fire Emblem, of course, uh, in the end game. There's a lot more to this chapter. Which I will note that, you know, as the um, cutscene is ending, as uh, future Robin is, Robin is turning into Grima, you see current Robin run off screen, and then he's not in the, uh, you know, fully rendered cutscene running away because he ran off to grab the fire emblem which is how they do have it because it was originally somewhere at the table the this chapter has a lot of like we need to get a bunch of the pieces on the board in a specific place so like we need robin to have the fire emblem we need future robin to reveal uh themselves we have to have validar you know die finally and one of the revelations I, I didn't put in the readout here is also the fact that the reasoning for future Robin to come back is because they basically wanted to make sure that whatever meddling Lucina was going to do could be corrected, which included resurrecting Valadar because Valadar had died once before, I think is what if I'm I might be misremembering that. You first encounter Valadar in the chapter where Lucina first shows up in or not first shows up, but shows up and saves uh, Krom from an assassin. Uh, and then um, they're trying to kidnap or kill Emerin there. Uh, and it's Valadar leading them, which is kind of commented on when it's like, I thought we killed him when they attacked Elise, you know, uh, and find out, which we saw at the end of that first chapter, some mysterious figure walking up to the dead Valadar or dying Valadar and saving him. But... Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good chapter. Um, I had a lot of fun fighting this one out, and I, and I forgot about sort of the revelations. I forgot that Basilio was actually alive, which is something that they did change. Um, yep. uh, at the end of the day, it didn't yeah, matter. But Basilio explains that uh, Lucina's warning uh, got him to get over his stubbornness and be brave enough to fake his death. You know, brave enough to be a coward, as he puts it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he just played dead. I thought it was and, a really it was a it was a it was a good chapter and again it like it kind of helped bring everything around, you know, like using time travel and basically explaining well like uh, yeah, the this is Robin from the future that is that has already been infected by by Grima and wants to bring resurrect Grima and uh yeah, it's good stuff and obviously we'll we'll talk about the end game on our next episode which is the final Two chapters? Uh, we should have two more chapters and then a section, uh, might be only one chapter, uh, but a section of a chapter or two labeled as Endgame. Um, but we should have two more chapters this week and the final three child paralogs. And that should unlock all the special spot pass paralogs where you can recruit characters like Emerin, where Priam shows up, or Priam, who is in Heroes, as well as you can recruit all pretty much all the villains potentially um so we will get to those in a couple weeks uh but before we get to those other chapters we do have a couple more chapters here to today as we have a couple paralogs to cover uh three of the six remaining children paralogs uh we're gonna go and start this week with paralog nine wings of justice cynthia's paralog which is sumia's child Krom and company arrive in a small village during harvest time, but all the shopkeepers seem to be afraid of Krom. 
After asking around, Frederick finds out that someone has been harassing them while impersonating Krom, and everyone heads north to stop them. We jump to see the criminals in a Pegasus Knight who seems to honestly think the leader of the criminals is Krom. In the battle, there is a group of mercenaries along the top uh, that the leader of the villains will talk to one by one. Having Krom or Sumia talk to Cynthia will have her join you. Uh, but she is a flying unit surrounded by archers, so you have to be a bit careful when you uh, decide to do that. Uh, there seems to be nothing special for the number of mercenaries that you keep alive uh, on this map. Mm-hmm. So, I, For me, while I was playing this, you're absolutely right. Going in to save a flying unit that is surrounded by snipers, not great. Uh, also, the fact that I don't know why I decided to do this, but I decided that I was going to have uh, Sumia talk to Cynthia, not Krom. And, and either way, if Krom is the father of Cynthia or not, you can still go and, and talk to Cynthia. Oh, yeah. All, all these child paralogs, um, at least the ones that have stuff to do with uh, characters specifically talking to the unit, it's the mother of the character or Krom. Because Krom is the one character that has to be in every single map. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, it was. It was one of those things where I sent Sumia in and I think I had, uh, so first of all, I had to restart the map because I realized like I was trying to pull the archers, but in doing so, I actually pulled Cynthia and she, I think she died against one of my heroes. Um, yeah. So that didn't work out. Yeah. I used the, uh, you know, range finder to verify a place where I could stick my, stick my units to you know, pull the archers out, but Cynthia wouldn't be in range. Uh, like, if you... A uh, couple of the archers south of Cynthia, at least, if you um, put a guy right on the far side of, like, a couple buildings there, those archers will come at you, but Cynthia will not. So I lined up a couple of my own archers there and let them come and kill themselves on me. And then I think that meant I had, like, just some archers north of her, you know, one or two archers north of her. So it was a lot easier to get in there with Sumia, who was still who was a flyer in mine as well, and get Cynthia out. Yeah. Oh, there were archers in behind her though. So. Yeah, it was the archers behind her that were still there. I just had cleared out most of the other archers. I see the lower ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, how I ended up doing it is I just I had Cynthia run in, talk to or no, sorry, Sumia run in, talk to Cynthia. Cynthia paired with Sumia, and then I had. Lissa rescue them out and that's how i ended up doing it okay that is definitely a way to do it uh sumia had enough of a um dodge in health that you know the archers weren't able to peg her and i just had cynthia fly away you know get her out of the range of those archers that were left right and there was another aspect to this map in terms of uh cynthia working for who she thought was crom um, and because Krom is actually Cynthia's father in your playthrough, how did that work out? I mean, I, more the question is, how did it work out for you? Because, I mean, in most of these maps, it, they don't acknowledge their fathers in the actual maps, unless it's a preset father, like with Morgan or Lucina. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, she thought he was Krom. She, you know, didn't even say anything about her being her, his dad or her dad. But she thought he was Krom, and uh, when Sumia talked to her, she realized, oh, wait, these are the bad guys? I'm going to kill him for pretending that he was Krom. How dare he, you know? Uh, there might have been some wording that 
you know, I don't know for sure exactly what wording you had. There might have been some wording that hinted that it was her dad that she thought she was with, but she just wanted to impress Crom. Right. Uh, no, then in that case, it sounds like we had a pretty similar experience because it was the same thing for yeah. me, uh, where she just she thought she was working with Crom. Uh, when you know when the map ends and or at least when when uh, Sumi is talking to Cynthia, she's convinced that we're all uh, imposters and she's actually working for the real Crom. So again, like yeah. it's it's it, I it sounds like it plays pretty it, similar. At the start of the map, she thought we were imposters and. She was with the real Krom, so the guy coming after them who said they were Krom was an imposter, but when Sumia comes and talks to her, she realizes, oh, the guy I've been following is the imposter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it's, she said anything about, wait, he's not my father or anything like that? I don't recall anything specific like that, but oh. yeah. And I, I um, only, the bad guy only convinced one of the mercenaries, because um, my Krom was a paladin at the time, and after clearing out the right half of the map by moving up, I af- you know sent Krom up within range, and the bad guy retreated. And the one mercenary he had convinced came at me and died. So, <laughs> well, that didn't work out. He <laughs> bet on the wrong uh, horse there. Part of me wishes I had let him convince some more of the mercenaries for the extra experience, since you don't actually get anything special for saving them. In some yeah. maps, you get bonuses. Yeah. Not in this case. Uh, well, our next paralogue is paralogue six, which is a man for flowers, which is the Inigo chapter. In this chapter, unlocked once Olivia gets an S support, Inigo has defeated the wrong bandit, as that bandit had a lot of friends and a maze of a fort. Crom and crew decide to help out, where having Crom or Olivia speak to Inigo will bring him to your cause. Making your way through the death trap of a fort defeating all the enemies and the boss, the map will end, uh, which is standard fare for a fire map. Uh, but it was a, it was a pretty, it was a pretty standard map. There was nothing really, you know, uh, interesting going on here. Well, we have some other interesting. I mean, it's a challenging map because you have all these long corridors, which you can get pelted by mages. If you're, while you're running down them to try and get at the enemies. Exactly. But. Yeah. And and I did this one quite a while ago because uh, the shop had second seals and it was before we got to any main missions that had them in there. So I wanted to start side-classing my units. And it was quite a tough one. And I had a handful of casualties because I really only had my main, you know, my Robin and maybe Lissa pretty powered up. And even they were struggling to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll say this. The the map does end where Inigo has a quick chat with Olivia, which leads to a discussion of who is the most shy slash embarrassed. Crom quickly breaks up the awkwardness. Uh, so I thought that yes. was a fun way to end the map. Yep, fun little way to end the map. Usually the chats with the moms are kind of nice at the end and fun. Yeah. So, yes, uh, we have one more paralogue. And like I said, I did this one a while ago, so that's why we kind of did them out of order of numbers, because... Ryan had a lot more recent knowledge of this one than I did, because I did it quite a while ago, but I do remember it being pretty tough. Uh, but the last one we have right now is Paralogue 13, Rival Bands, Yarn's Paralogue, which is Pan's Child. Crom and company comes across two bands of mercenaries fighting over a section of land, both claiming it to be theirs. In order to break, protect the villagers from a protected fight between them, uh, they decide to intervene and end the fight as quickly as possible. At the start of battle, you choose which team of mercenaries to fight. 
or you can actually decide to choose neither team and fight all of them. Uh, there are four villages on the map, uh, two of which will be closed if you pick a side. And there's uh, you know, a pick a side of one of the mercenaries or the other. Uh, among the knights inside the walls, because uh, this is set up with a little outer wall section with four villages in it and a forest section on the outside. Uh, but among those inside the walls, there is a young tagwell named Yarn, who is Pan's son. And if she or Krom talks with him, he will join you. Uh, so This map, uh, I referenced you know, the fact that the last map we discussed wasn't the most interesting. Outside of the fort being super complex, and or sorry, not complex, but but a, a difficult one to get through. Uh, this map was interesting because it gives you the choice between two armies to support in the sense that they are both, I guess, technically bad guy armies, maybe? Uh, they're both ignoring the villagers around them. They're just, right. you know, this is ours, but all they're fighting over with each other is causing no end of suffering because um, uh, the villages you can talk to, one of them supports the side or... I think it's the side that you chose or the side of the against who you chose. And the other uh, just wants it's all done because it's nothing but a nightmare. So, yeah. Yeah. I went with the green army outside of the village. I felt like that was the better strategic choice. Who did you pick? Strategic choice, probably. I went uh, on my own and fought them all. (laughs) (laughs) And none of the villages closed on me. So I spoke to all four of them and it's the same either way. Uh, you know, the top two, there's one that supports the knights and the wants it all done. And the bottom two, there's one that supports the riders and wants it all done. And I just fought them all. <laughs> so I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you can visit all the villages if you choose a side. Correct. Um, I, what I did is, um, I ended up choosing a side initially, uh, but I kind of wanted to see if, uh, what would happen if, you chose the other side and made yarn green if he would just be an ally or if he would switch to the other side or something. Uh, but in doing that, I noticed that you could say no to the second army. And then I asked, do you want to fight them all? And it's like, you know what? I want to try that. <laughs> and that, and I noticed when I chose the first one, it showed the um, two, two villages close their doors when you choose a side. So like the top two, I think, cho- closed when I chose the knights initially and the bottom two closed when i chose when i or none of them closed when i chose the other so i'm guessing the bottom two would have closed if i had chosen the riders and i think it's like one who supports the side you chose and gives you a weapon to fight the enemies the other side and one who's sick and tired of this whole mess and wants it done with and the other advantage is at the end of this chapter i got ten thousand gold from the villagers for getting rid of all those pesky annoyances did you get that as well? No, I don't think so. I don't really I think, remember. But... I think that's, yeah, I was thinking that's a bonus for choosing to fight both armies. You get double the rewards in the map and 10,000 gold at the end. So, yeah. Well, there you go. That uh, That is our awakening section for the show uh, this week. And as Eddie uh, stated earlier, uh, next episode, we're going to be going up to the end game. Uh, a couple more chapters in there than I thought, but uh, we'll also be doing the rest of the kid paralogs, which will be Brady, Severa, and Noir. And then afterwards, we'll get to the six spot pass paralogs, which are the villains, Emerin, and Priam. And finally, we'll wrap it all up with Endgame and uh, just our general awakening thoughts. 
So look forward to that over the next couple of months. And that is going to bring us to the end of this episode as we uh, take a, we'll, we'll be off next week, but we'll be back uh, at the start of July to talk about all things Fire Emblem Heroes and uh, Awakening Game Club. You can find more of our episodes at gamersinpodcast.com slash Faye. Email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. You can check out the Fire Emblem channel in the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Drowfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning. Mm-hmm.